Well, good morning again. I was already smiling coming up here because I just, I, it's, I'm a little excited this morning. I like it when I learn stuff, like you've read certain scriptures over and over and over, and then all of a sudden you go, well, that's new. Like, I never, like, saw that part of that and what that means, and so that, I'm sorry, it gets me excited. You guys know my habit of the the Pentecostal side of me that comes out when I'm reading scripture and I see something and I go, wow, and I have to get up and just like walk the parking lot unless it's raining. Then I just come in here and walk this building and me and God have these conversations about, I cannot believe that. Where, where did that come from? And what the, like you even, there's language that comes out of you that you're like, it's kind of silly. And it's like, that's amazing. Do you, do you get what that means? And it's like, you're talking to God, but you're like, well, of course he does. Like, because he's the one that came up with it. But it's just, it's amazing. Like, Sorry, I just it gets me excited when when those things happen. But anyway, we're going through the book of Mark, and it's not even the one in the book of Mark that I got excited about. It's a reference over in Romans. Um, but anyway, we'll get to it in just a moment. But we're going through the book of Mark, one of the four Gospels, the life of Christ on the earth when he walked the earth, and um, so it's Mark. And today makes sense all on its own if you haven't been here for the rest of the series, although it's good to get more context if you want to go back on the online or through our app you can get that and then listen to it going down the road in your car if you're my age you you probably listen to more talking in the car than music than you used to um so that app is is good i like other places that have apps that i can in their podcasts and stuff because i listen to a lot of preachers you guys hear me talk about all these guys that i listen to and today is no exception it's just it's influenced by some guys I listen to, and it, it just, um, but then it, you get the study in, and it just, it just goes so far it, that it just gets exciting for me. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sounding like a, like a weird preacher guy up here, okay, but it's, it's okay. I just get excited about learning and doing better, because today is, again, not one of those sermons that I get up here and go, okay, students, I, the master has, has all this I have now learned and mastered this, and so now you children need to learn this as well. I don't, I don't ever feel that way. I feel like, man, God's shown me this, and I'm learning, and I'm still struggling with it, and I have my issues, and, and, I'm, and so I just want to share with you insight that God has given me that, that has so helped me, and I hope it helps you, and we're in this together kind of thing, right? And that's what small groups do for us is we get in there, and we sit, and we talk, and, and we learn all of a sudden, man, they—they they, that's exactly where I'm at, and that and, and, and that makes sense to me. You you struggle with that too, and you have it, and you've learned that, and 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 it's just a. We figure out we're all in this together, and we're not isolated and alone, struggling with life and trying to figure all this out, and it, and it's wonderful. So, um, anyway, so we're going through the book of Mark, and I've said each week there's so much that I I wish I could cover or would be in here for years, um, time won't allow me to do so. God just seems to direct me to places, even though I want to cover other things, like in, in chapter 6, you know, the beheading of John and, and how all that played out in King Herod. Like, I so wanted to talk about that, but yet here we are. And even today, the, the first few verses, the first 13 verses of chapter 7, it's like that so ties into what goes on in 14. Like I want to cover that because it's so about the traditions of men and and how, how that's kind of off and um, missing the heart of worship of God when you, when you follow more the tradition of men. Jesus warns in there about, uh, it's where he says, you're honoring me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me, if you know that reference. He's just going through the motions of religion and how he doesn't want that. He hates that. You can go back to Isaiah and read stuff about that too. Just going through those motions. But today we're in chapter 7, and in a moment we'll start in, in verse 14. Now, to, to help kind of get our minds thinking towards this, because I know you don't just walk in here going, I am ready to like learn some stuff about the Bible that applies to my life. Like we don't just walk in ready to worship, ready. So I kind of try to get you thinking towards what we're thinking about and where it's going today. But how many of you this past week got frustrated? Like I could stop right there and everybody go, right? Angry with someone? 
or something outside yourself, something broke, something didn't work the way it's supposed to, somebody didn't do what they were supposed to, whether it's your kid, your spouse, a coworker, whoever. How many of you had one of those experiences this past week, right? Okay, the rest of you are liars. It's okay. Um, let's just say it this way, okay? Because this will help tie it in better, maybe. How many of you felt unsatisfied or disappointed in your job, your spouse, your kids, your government, your school, your doctor, or some other group of people or something, all right? How many just felt unsatisfied, dissatisfied, right? Okay, we're getting better, right? All of us pretty much. And, I, and, I, and here's the thing is, is understanding how this works inside of us. It's, it's okay to be dissatisfied in this life. That's a good thing, actually, okay? It's okay to even be dissatisfied with each other. Okay, but you don't have to be miserable and hate-driven and fear-driven and have no peace and joy in the midst of that dissatisfaction. It's normal to want better because we were made for better, right? When we think about it, it's obvious that we were made by God for God, right? Through Jesus, for God. We're made for that, and that's perfection. We're made for that. We were made for like Garden of Eden, perfect conditions kind of stuff and we just it's all broken now by the curse by the fall by sin however you want to explain that words and we were made for that we were made for jesus who is perfect so to be dissatisfied here is just normal it's built into us right we we want better because we were made for better but it, it we were made for a perfect place that we can't have this side of heaven but that doesn't mean that you can't have Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things, right? doesn't mean you can't have those things. Jesus came to give that to you in a relationship with him in the midst of where we are now, even in a dissatisfying world. Because we were never meant for the stuff, we were meant for him. And our problem is we get to looking for life, real life, in too many broken places, Okay? I've got to be careful sometimes because I know if I make certain references, it's possible Brady will break out in those songs when he gets back up here after this sermon. But the whole looking for love in all the wrong places, just not that we need to be singing Willie Nelson in here, right? Even though we've done Kansas before, we won't go there, okay? Okay? But but we, we look for it in all sorts of places that's just messed up. You know, we, we even look through it for it through our kids, Right? who can't give it to you and you mess them up when you try to live vicariously through your kids, right? To try to satisfy yourself. Uh, good food. I'm looking around scanning like for what age people in here. This is all good, okay? We, we, look, we look for satisfaction through good food and, and, and even sex, right? And those things won't permanently satisfy you because you were made for more than that, Okay? The, and and I love this thought of, I don't, not really, but you'll understand what I'm saying, but like even sex itself is not the apex of a great marriage, right? It, it's not the deal. Like back in the Old Testament Ecclesiastes, it, it tells us that, that, that as we get older, one day even desires will fail, right? They will, okay? So you better have something else as the, the thing about your marriage or one day it's going to fail, right? It's not the big deal about marriage. It's great, okay? I'm not going to complain, right? But it's it's not. The, the goal of a great marriage is not great sex, right? Guys, really? Okay? Eventually that fails. You live long enough in marriage, one day that'll be gone and you're just left with each other and what do you have, Okay? Unless Jesus is the center and you serve each other and you, you're loving each other through that and, and then marriage is wonderful beyond even the physical relationship and, and even that part of our lives failing tells us that it's just more, it's, it's, it's about more than just the physical part of the relationship. But we try to satisfy ourselves so much 
outside of ourselves with other things and other people, but Jesus says no matter what you take in, you won't be satisfied in this world. Your heart, your desires have to change to be satisfied. It's not that these things, are, you know, all this stuff's unsatisfying, so if that's the things we're trying to fill it with, then I need my desires and my heart changed so that I long for something else that can satisfy me. And the difficult part of that is is that you can't change your heart or your desires, right? We can't do that on our own. So the beauty in the brokenness of ourselves and our world is that perhaps we need to see dissatisfaction, depression, anxiety, all these things that we look at that are painful, that, 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 that we struggle with, Maybe that's somehow a great gift God gives us in this world that, we can, that can be used to drive us to look for eternal life, real life, real satisfaction in Him. It makes us go, this stuff just doesn't do it. I've got to go somewhere else. And that's where maybe that path will intersect and get us to find what really satisfies. So let's look at Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. It says, And he called... The crowd to him again, Jesus, and he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? Remember that? That, that if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. We've, we've talked about that the past few weeks, about the hardening of the heart, and God gives us truth. There's some light there. We step towards the light. We get more light. We get more light, and we move towards God one step at a time. Okay, he's not going to give you a light that just shines all the way. You know all truth all at the same time, so it's just one. He's looking for one step at a time. But if we step away from that light, our hearts get a little hardened. We go into darkness a little more, and eventually we can get to a place where we don't even see the light. It's so far away, we can't find the light anymore. We can't see the light, and our hearts become hardened. And we even talked about in one week that it's even possible that we go so far that the Holy Spirit just lets us go and says, so even in this life, it may be too late. You know, because the old Baptist preacher thing is, is man, you might, you, you can right up to your deathbed, man. You might walk out of here and die today, or, you know, it's, it's about that point of death. But there is this thing where if we walk away, say no, say no, say no to God long enough, you read Romans chapter 1, it says God just gives us over to all that stuff, and we're just done. Okay? So we have to be careful. And that's why he says here, if anyone has he- ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, if, if you see that light, and you, you see it, you hear it, what I'm saying, the truth, and step toward it. If you, if you hear it. So he's saying, if you're, if, but if you're so hardened, you don't see it anymore, sorry. You've said no to me so many times that I just can't help you, okay? And do no means by these verses mean, because a lot of people like to take things out of context, right? And go, look at that verse. That means I can do all the drugs and drink all the liquor I want to, and it doesn't matter because it's not what goes into me that defiles the man, it's what comes out, right? And they'll take that and... and no, you're missing the point, okay? He's referring to some Old Testament stuff about certain foods and cleanliness and what makes you unclean and those kind of things and saying it's, it's not those things that go into you, but it's rather it's the motive of the heart of why you use them, right? And why you do what you do. He, he, get, he gets to it in here in a moment about the motives of the heart, why you do what you do, say what you say, why you put into your body what you put into your body, why are you doing that drug? Why are you drinking that much? Why are you, you know, having all these relationships that are inappropriate? Why, 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 why are you doing all those things? Yes, yeah, not about what goes in, but why are you doing all that? And so he goes on to say in verse 17, when the, he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. So even they're going, you don't have to help me out, I don't understand, right? And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? I love it when Jesus says stuff like that to the disciples because it makes me feel better because I feel like so often God looks at me and goes, really, are you that dumb, okay? Do you not get, are you that thick that you don't, you just don't see this? Why do you keep going back to that? Why do you keep doing this? Why do, you know? But he says, are you so lacking in understanding also? Maybe I need to start saying that to my kids instead. Son, are you so lacking in understanding also? Um, 
like your six-year-old and five-year-old brother and sister. Um, Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart, but in his stomach and is eliminated? Isn't that a great thought, right? Thus he declared, oh, I love that right there. Like, thus he declared all foods clean. Praise God for that right. Right? Because pork is awesome, okay? I know if Travis was here and wasn't at an event right now, he, he would be going, amen, and it makes me a lot of money, right? Pork is good. Bacon is good, right? Hey, donuts. Hey, just put sprinkle bacon on a donut, and you're good to go, right? A little maple glaze. It's an awesome thing, okay? It's like, who was it? Burger King had a shake at one time or something, ice cream that had, like, bacon bits on top of it, and hey, it's wonderful, okay? This right here is as plain as can be for, for also letting us know more about what it means that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not do away with it, but fulfill it, right? What it means to live under new covenant, not, not just the old covenant. Some, some, someone brought it to my attention last week as we talked about the guy that was possessed by legion the in in the gerasenes the guy who was possessed by the legion um when you read that and this guy was chained in these tombs but he broken the chains here they jesus is leading them into a graveyard which for jews they weren't supposed to do you can't go in there it makes you unclean so here's jesus leading them into a place that makes them unclean right interesting Interesting to think about in terms of Mosaic law and all those things they had set up of here's what makes you clean and unclean. You've got to wash a certain way before you eat. You can't eat certain things. You have to go through these all these ceremonial laws, right? Sacrificial laws that they had. If you don't do it just like this. And what they were thinking in their mind with a lot of this stuff is that whatever I eat or whatever, all these things outside of me can make my soul unclean. And Jesus is saying, no. That's, that You've missed the point. That's not what I was saying, right? That's not what it's been about, okay? He is literally saying that the things that you thought used to make you unclean before I came, it's just never been the issue and it's not the issue anymore. The sacrificial law, ceremonial, ceremonial cleansing laws aren't necessary because it was really always about the heart. It was always about the motive of the heart. Things outside of you are not what make your soul dirty, okay? Like if you understand Adam and sin and all that, and we'll get to that in a minute in Romans 5. When you understand that, you go, those things outside of you can't make you. You're already dirty because of the sin nature, because of what you got from Adam. Not as a victim, but as a participant, okay? Not Adam's fault, okay? So it's things outside of you aren't what make you dirty. It's just now you have, now that Jesus has come, he's going, now you have this power that I'm going to give you inside of you that can change your heart and fix all that rather than having to be obedient just out of out of this fear-driven behavior modification that you have to do to in order to, to satisfy these laws. You, that's, now you're going to have this power in you that, that can change the heart that is called the Holy Spirit. It's different. You don't have to rely on external obedience. He can make you clean from the inside out. And furthermore, he's, he just said that whatever you put in you passes. Okay? It's temporary. It turns into waste, we'll say. Okay? He's, he's like, that, that all is temporary. So the person who eats a great meal, you know, who, who eats that, the person who's not a Christian can't enjoy that the way you can enjoy that if you are a Christian, right? Because they get the temporary satisfaction of that, and it's gone, okay? I get to eat that, and then that turns into, it can turn into praise to God. Thank you for this great meal. Praise God for pork, right? Like, a non-believer can't do that. So my enjoyment of that meal goes up to a, a praise of an eternal God that I get to enjoy forever. So it goes beyond the meal. But the non-believer can't get past the meal. They just, 
enjoy it and go, that was good, and it's over, right? So, so the person who eats the great meal can't, can't do what I just did, did a minute ago, and praise God for that. They, it's momentary satisfaction, which is a great point of what he's trying to say here. I can still enjoy the good God who gives me the good things to enjoy long after the thing I enjoyed is in the septic tank, right? The Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, right? That's, so it's saying even in this food, I praise God and I get more enjoyment out of it because I'm enjoying the good gift that he gave me and the one who provided it for me, I get to enjoy forever. So I get more out of that meal than, than a non-believer. Verse 20, it says, And he was saying, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So he's saying it's about the heart. It's about... You know, you look back and when Jesus would say all that stuff like, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say, even if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. He said, it's not about the act you do with that person. It's about why you did it. It's about what's in your heart that made you do that. Okay? That's the issue. And many times I've used this analogy, um, like if you had a, a bottle of water or a glass of water, um, didn't set up my prop ahead of time. We'll just use this, right? So if you have this, and I shake this, and water comes out of it. Like for years, those of you who've been here understand this. You've seen me do this, right? So when I shake this bottle, why does the water come? Why does water come out of the bottle? Well, because there's water in it. Okay, nothing else is going to come out of it when I shake it, right? It's not because it was shook. Water came out because water's in it. Nothing else is going to come out of it when shaken. And, and it's the same for us. The world's going to shake you. All these things are going to dissatisfy you, make you mad, make you long for more. It's, it's going to make you do things that uh, will not make you. We'll talk about that in a minute. There's, a, there's all these things that happen that shake us, and whatever's inside, that's what comes out, Right? And so if it's selfish ambition, selfish gain, if it's self-satisfaction, addiction, hate, no peace, no love, only self-righteousness, then the bad, all that comes out when we get shaken. And you, you're never fully satisfied even if you get something you want because anything else other than Jesus is just temporary. All that satisfaction is just temporary. We keep thinking satisfaction's right around the corner, don't we? Man, if I just... just well, that relationship wouldn't it. If I could just get around the corner to this relationship, to this other boyfriend, other girlfriend, other husband, other wife, other whatever. Satisfaction's just around the corner in the next one. Another job, another house, another car, more money, a better you, right? If I could just, which I'm all about, obviously I'm all about health. I'm good with that. We need to take care of the temple that God has given us. Live as Christ to die as gain. I want to live as Christ as long as I can, right? Everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die, right? You, you want to you take care of yourself to serve your family. I have those thoughts about I want to outlive Nikki just so she can never live a day of her life that she isn't served by the one flesh husband that married her, right? And I'm good going the moment after she's gone, right? So there's, there's you know, we try to make a better self New haircut, new clothes, six-pack abs, whatever you don't like about yourself. You know, all that self-improvement stuff. And we get there, and we're not. And, and if we're looking for that to ultimately satisfy us, it doesn't either. So it's got to go further. That's why you see these people get into plastic surgery, right? And they end up looking really crazy because they just it's never enough. And they get caught in that trap of the next one will satisfy me, the next one will satisfy me, the next one will satisfy me. I like my skin enough, maybe lighten it more, maybe lighten it more. Like you've seen that, like you see the Michael Jackson progression, those kind of things. There's all kinds of celebrities that have gone into that, and it, it just, it's a trap. It, it will never satisfy. Or the Rockefellers who were asked, 
how much money is enough? The answer was just a little more, right? Because it, it will never fully satisfy you. If you aren't satisfied in Jesus where you are, you won't be satisfied in where you get to with those things. So it's just like healthy is a good thing. So not that you shouldn't be healthy, but why do you want to be healthy becomes the issue. We run to others for satisfaction, and that doesn't work, and we try to fix ourselves, and that doesn't work, and we try to get others to fix us or help us and do things for us, and that doesn't work, and so we run to the world for satisfaction, and that doesn't work because, yes, God made good things for us to enjoy but didn't make them to be our God, right? They become idols that fail us. All of those things, even though good things in this world are temporary and broken and can't be fixed by more broken stuff. Yeah, food and sex were both created by God for our enjoyment, but we misuse them and turn them into idols and turn them into things they were never meant to be. So when you're down, I understand this. When you're down, when things are bad, a good meal, a brownie with some ice cream on top, warm brownie, ice, vanilla ice cream, just melt a little chocolate on there. Okay? How many of you have your cherry on top? No cherry on top? I'm good either way, right? It's all good. It's kind of like the pickle, no pickle debate on the Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? But, but those things, in, when you're down, when things are bad, that kind of thing can work for a moment. Like, it, like I'll, I'll admit, like there's times I'll, I'll like run to that, right? And I'm like, man, I just, I just, it just eases you for a moment, satisfies, but only for a moment. But when we run to those things outside of these boundaries God has set for us, set for those things to enjoy, we get left em- empty again when it's gone. It, it, it just no lasting satisfaction, but we run back to them like they're our gods over and over like idiots, don't we? I'm putting me in there like you don't have to look up here and go, I don't admit to the preacher. Hey, the preacher gets it, okay? But we run back to them like our gods over and over like idiots and... So it's just like even the, the pornography issue. We, we go right back to the pornography the next night, just like before, as God watches and knows it hurts us and e- even more in the end. So many things that we make idols that weren't meant, they, they were meant to be good gifts, but we misuse them. And so I love what Matt Chandler said about these gifts. I'm going to quote this from, from what he said. He said, when you run to the world... You snatch a good, right gift out of his hand. Talking about God. You abuse that gift, break it, and then make accusations against him, God, that he's not good because of the gift. That's rebellion, right? You get that? You grab the gift out of his hands, you abuse it, break it, and then go, God's, what's wrong with you? You're not good. You can give me a good gift. He goes on to say, I'm just saying. If your kid snatches his gift, opens it, crushes it on the ground, and then screams at you for giving them a broken present, that's a problem. That's what you do when you run to the world. Religion? Are you serious? He says, I want to take your name, God, and I want to do everything you came to rescue me from under the banner of your name. That's rebellion. Okay? He says, everyone in this room is guilty, and I'm in this room. Each one of us is guilty. So we're not victims of sin. We are active participants in it. You understand that part? Because even religion becomes an idol. I, I will behave and go through the motions so that God will have to satisfy me. That's our thinking sometimes. That's religion, right? I'll do the things I'm supposed to again I'm supposed to do that that God says I'm supposed to do so that then he'll owe me. No, it doesn't work that way. Doesn't work. Sin has so messed us up. All have sinned and fall, fallen short of the glory of God. That's a verse that tells us we're not victims but rather willing participants. It's not Adam's fault. We're willing participants with Adam. Okay, 
So it's not outside activity that makes us unclean. The issue is that we're already unclean. And it's why we did that dirty activity. Okay? Get this part so you understand. A sinful act doesn't make you a sinner. Right? You're already a sinner, and that's why you did the sinful act. And we sometimes want to look at it the other way. That's why the Bible says you stand condemned already. Uses that language before any action. You, you're the problem, not something outside of you. It's not about fear-based behavior, okay? And this is another, you guys remember, I talked about this a long time ago. This is a Matt Chandler quote. Before him, Christine Kane said it before him, all the way back to like Oswald Chambers. This has been said. I, that bugs me, by the way. It's like every now and then I'll just say something I remember that I heard some guy quote or something, and then somebody will tweet me, and then you got all these people come over there and go, well, Marty didn't say that. All these other people, this person said I'm like, I don't care. It's good truth. It helps people. I can't always remember where I heard it said, but even the guy that I heard it from probably heard it from somebody else, heard it from somebody else, heard it, there's nothing new under the sun, that kind of thing, right? God's truth's God's truth. It's okay. I try to give credit where I can, but anyway, I love the way Matt Chandler said this. He said, it's not about fear-based behavior modification, it's about love-driven heart transformation, okay? You look at Luke 6.45, says this, the good man out of the good treasure, again, it comes back to what do you, what do you love? What do you treasure? Because it's love-driven, not fear-driven. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure because he loves these things that are broken and evil, brings forth what is evil. From his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. You see, it's about the heart. It's about what's in here. Back in Mark 7, 21, when we were reading all that, there in, Mark, in, in chapter 7, we read, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts. Okay, you get that part? From your heart come these evil thoughts. So I love this, okay? No one can make you think evil thoughts. There's no, the devil made me do it, right? Surely there are these evil spirits and the Satan, he's trying to, but he can't make you. They can influence. As a believer, no one but you, okay? And even... As not, nobody makes you do that. It's just it's what's in your heart, so you submit to it. Anybody here been betrayed, hurt, sinned against, put down, stepped on, done wrong? You would say that. Okay, right? That, all of us have felt that way at some point, right? Some of you, it's been on a very serious level. It's been very deep hurt, right? But the deal is no one can control what you think but you. I love this. The, the chaplain in me loves this. Okay, it's going to come out of me right here, okay? I was talking to some other people about this this morning, but this, this is so, this, this thought process is so cool, okay? Because I've always quoted and said, take every thought, thought captive to the obedience of Christ, right? But I love it put this way, okay? Did you know that you can arrest a thought? Okay? Isn't that great? You can arrest a thought. You can, you can say in your mind, no, I'm not going to think that way. The thought comes in, man, I can't handle this. I can't, I'm not going to make it. And you can arrest that thought. You can say, nope, I'm putting the cuffs on that. Not going to think that way. God's truth says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So which means, doesn't mean I can win a football game if I want to. What it means is, is man, no matter what my circumstances are, even when it's bad, I can make it through because Jesus, because I'm with Jesus, because he's with me. So I, don't, I can arrest that thought and, and say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to think this way because this is God's truth. This is what he says and what I think may not be right. I can choose to believe God and not myself. I will not think that way. Did you know you could do that? Okay, so why don't we do that? Right? That's 2 Corinthians 10.5. It's what I was quoting. We are destroying speculations 
and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. There's all this stuff coming against the knowledge of God, right? You see that? And we are taking every thought captive. We're arresting those thoughts to the obedience of Christ. You can decide what you dwell on, what you play out in your mind. If you're like me, man, when somebody makes me mad, I start playing out those scenarios like, man, in that conversation, I just, man, I burn them good, right? I said this and this and Man, they just felt so small, right? And I walked away going, yeah, that's right. Like, anybody else ever play those things out in your mind? You don't want to admit it. All of you do, right? We do. We play it in our mind over it, good or bad, true or not true, we'll play it out. You could, and, and here's the thing. You can decide, I'm not going to think that way. Instead, I'm going to choose to pray for someone and forgive them. I'm not going to play that out in my mind anymore. I'm going to rest that thought, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray for them and wish good things for them. That God would change them, that they would see how good he is, that it would change their heart, that they would come to repentance, and they would know how good God is, and they would just be a great influence for the cause of Christ. So you can decide to pray for someone or forgive them or not. You decide to walk in sexual immorality or not. No one makes you do that but you because it's, a, it's, it's your heart that's the issue. It's not this stuff out here. That's what he's saying. It's not this stuff out here. It's what's in here. So how does this change? So you got to go, well, how do I change that? Well, you can't. That, you're like, well, okay, thanks. I'll have a great week now. Thank you very much, okay? If our heart is the, the real issue, then what? Okay, Romans 5, 6 through 17. We're going to read this real quick, and this is like we're putting the landing gear down, okay, make you feel a little better, okay? Getting ready to land the plane, but we're going to read this. It says in here, for while we were still helpless, okay, and this is where, man, I'm reading this, I've, okay, landing gear just went back up. Okay, we, I've read this this week, and I was just like, there's language in here that I had never processed before in this way, and it's, Holy Spirit, God reveals things, and it's just like, thank you for that. Um, But just like that, this is not part of that, but I've heard this put this way before, while we were still helpless. So while we were broken, there's some versions that say while we were still weak, okay? So you, you just look at that and you go, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly while we were still helpless, while we were still weak. And I love the thought of you know, people will say that Christianity, believing in God, is a crutch. And I used to defend that to the hilt. Like, no, it's not. It's strong men that believe in Jesus, okay? Perhaps. But, but when you think of it in this way, what they're saying, well, that's just for weak people. Christianity is for weak people. You know what the best answer for that is? Yeah, it is. Christianity is just a crutch. Yeah, it is. You just don't realize you're broken and you're weak. You think you're something, and you're not, and that's your problem. Because we're, we're, that's, us all, that's all of us. We were all helpless. We were all weak. We are all broken, and we don't see it, okay? That's our problem. If we could clearly see all that, and, and the heart thing was, was not in the way, that fog wasn't there, we would just go, okay, and we would get it, but the problem is people don't see that they're weak. They don't see that they are broken. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. And there's that language. I want you to clue into this, this language, okay? Much more than having been justified. So this is the part I never just really processed, okay? And some of you are going, yes, young man, young preacher, this, that's, I got that years ago. I understand that, okay, but this is new to me, so it's just wonderful. But it's not just a, the sin has been paid for, it's now even, point for point. He's saying, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So there's something much more than just the paying for the sin, than making it even ground, okay? 
and just read on, listen to this. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of, death of his son, much more, okay, he's saying we've been reconciled, that's paid for, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There's something more going on, okay? And not only this, so he's, he's saying it's not just this payment for the sin that you get in Christ. There's something more and greater in that. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, and I don't have time to get into all that, sorry. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him to, who was to come. Don't have time to get into all that either. But the free gift is not like the transgression, okay? The transgression just means this, okay? This means more than just paying for the transgression. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more, there's more of that language, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation, Okay, some of you are getting glossy out already. Just stay with me, okay? But on the one other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. But if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, here it is again, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, and this gets into the point of what the much more is right here at the end, Okay much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So there's not just a paying of sin, there's a reigning in life. You, you see that? It's, it's more than just, okay, my sins are paid for. It's resurrection power of there's a power in me that can change my heart that I'm able to reign in life. Okay? And in and, and the thinking of eternal life starts the moment we are justified, made right before God, not after we die physically. It's a, it's a eternal life starts the moment we are his, okay? Jesus is more powerful than the sin nature that ruined our hearts passed down to us by Adam. Not Adam's fault. We're willing participants, okay? Jesus has the remedy by grace. When you are at your worst, when you are an enemy of God, when you are broken and down, when you're at your worst, Jesus comes in and saves you. Don't ever feel like you can't turn to Jesus because I just feel too guilty. I just, I've done too much bad. I'm, so, I'm too far gone. I'm, too, I'm beyond. Don't give up on that. You still, in the midst of that struggle and that being down and that broken, you just turn to him. Don't ever feel like it's too far. It's abounding. It's much more. It's greater than any sin of Adam that's passed down to you. Sin is not greater than God's grace. Can't beat it. God loves you even though you struggle with addiction, struggle with your hate, struggle with whatever you struggle with. Loves you right in the middle of it and extends his hand to you right in the middle of it. Not only saves you, but much more. The free gift is not like the transgression. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And it, it goes on. It, it tells us the results are justification, yes. But it's a, also a reigning in life. He doesn't just save you by his power. He can overcome sin and mature you as a follower of his. Not just save you but give you a heart that's being renewed, transformed by his love that doesn't stop after salvation. It's not like, okay, I'm saved, and now nothing else is going on. It's saying by his grace and his power, it's renewing your heart all the time. It's giving you new desires. He doesn't leave you where you are, but gives you a new heart, new desires that pull you out of the muck and the mire. Satisfaction begins Excuse me. Sanctification begins when we become a, 
a Christ follower and doesn't stop, okay? If you're truly his, you'll grow to hate sin. Love, as you recognize, as you learn, you'll go, okay, that's sin. That's what the Bible says, sin. I, there's even times you don't have to be told. You just feel it. The conviction comes. It, you just know that's wrong, even though we keep stepping back into it. And eventually, if he's renewing your heart, you're pressing in towards him. I'm, I'm doing the, the obedience stuff to try to get closer to him. You'll begin to hate that sin and love him more, and it'll be a constant pull. Yeah, we fall back every now and then, but a step, you know, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing sometimes happens. But if you're his, there should be a progression. You should not be where you were five years ago. Don't get stuck like that. When you get what Jesus has done for you and you're reminded of that, okay, and we need to remind ourselves of that by gathering like this, reading the word, praying, sharing the gospel, all those things help us to remind us even. When you, when you remind yourself of that, you want more of what he has for you and less of you. You want more of him and less of you. So those thoughts, you begin to arrest and you begin to press into the Bible more, in the church more, fellowship more, ministering to others and worship more. That pushes our hearts toward him and away from sin. And it's all glory to God for what he has done and is doing in you. And it's not a legalistic way, okay? You can go, well, that sounds very legalistic. You're saying, this is just another sermon by a preacher that says, go to church, read your Bible, pray, tithe, do all, do all those things, okay? He just, he just set this thing up to get us there, right? That's not it, okay? Compare it to, to like marriage, okay? My wife's standing back there in the corner. She's the one singing up here. Um, we've been married 21 years. Yes, okay. Um, 21 years. And I will still do things trying to woo her. Trying to, like you would when you're dating, right? You, 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 you try to do things to whether it's flirting, whether it's doing something for her, taking out the trash, doing, you know, there's all these things you do to, like, serve and do in, in a form of dating. But why am I doing all that? Am I trying to get Nikki to marry me? No, we're already married. I'm just trying to grow the relationship. See, that's all that stuff I'm talking about with God, it's the same parallel, right? Marriage is a just a great parallel to, to our relationship with God. I, I'm not, and I'm not going to church and worshiping him and reading my Bible and praying and tithing and doing all this. I'm not doing that to try to get God to, to save me if I'm already saved. I'm now doing those things to improve my relationship with him and nurture that relationship and grow in him and our relationship together, right? Hopefully you're dating your wife and striving towards God, right, if you're married, and wives, doing the same with your husbands, okay? That you do the disciplines not to get God to love you, he already does, right? You do it to build greater intimacy and connection with God, to grow in Christ and find more freedom in him. It changes your heart more and it lets go of all that sin more and goes towards him. So when those things come at you, you don't give in to the bad thoughts. You don't give in to you in your heart. Then you're free to give in to God and arrest those thoughts and do what he would want you to do. And he begins to change you. It's from the inside out. It's not changing this stuff out here that needs to happen. It needs, what's in here needs to change because that controls this. That controls what you do with all that. When you realize that God is where you find your identity your value, your purpose. Throw back to the boundary series. Remember all that stuff, right? When I find all that in God, then I don't, I don't abuse all this stuff trying to find identity and value and purpose. I don't need people to validate me. I don't need people to, to, to give me purpose or make me feel like I'm worth something. I can stand and go, God is the one who says I'm worth something, who gives me identity as a child of his, who says I'm this, and, and gives me great purpose. It, it frees you up, right? 
and your joy and satisfaction come from him. So as we close in prayer, I hope you find that you can enjoy good gifts from God and not let it end right there with that good gift, right? But you look up and you get eternal satisfaction from the giver of the good gift and you grow in your love for him. And in turn, it just you overcome the it, all that overcomes the sin of your heart because you're loving him more, turning from sin more. So let's pray. heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just take a moment just to focus on him. God, may our hearts be driven by love. May we make um, you our greatest treasure. Would we just, would we see you for who you really are, for what your word says you are? Grab hold of that truth. May we take captive. May we arrest our sinful thoughts. May we just enjoy the good gifts you have given us. But Father, help us not to make those things idols. Would we look past them to the giver? Father, that, that is where our hearts need to be. You're the only thing that can truly satisfy us fully. And so may we see that. And, it, and I'll just say this as we're praying, still heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here and you don't have that, like you'd say, I, I've, I've never began a relationship with God like what you're talking about. I, have, I, I, I haven't given my heart to Jesus. He is not my greatest treasure. If that's you, if you're not a Christian, you can, do, you can start that right now. It's just turning from you and yourself and your sinful heart. And you just turn to Jesus and say, I want you to run my life. I want you to be all that satisfies me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sin. Yes, reconciling me, which just is, gives me a right standing with, with you, Father. Thank you for reconciling me. Thank you for your justification, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for all those things. And may I now just, I just want to pursue you with this new heart that you give me. May I be broken by sin. May I learn to hate sin. May my heart grow to hate it and love you more. Just You just say that to him. Just turn your life over to him. Father, thank you for your son who loved us, came to die for us, that you've loved us even while we were helpless, broken, weak. Thank you that you open our eyes to see that we're in that state and need you. May we never get over that. May we be reminded every day of the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's in his name that we pray.